0: During our worship service this morning, we had an opportunity to look at James chapter five, verses seven through 11, where James began to talk about the mindset that we need to have in the world that we live in. And there's so much that's going on in our world today. So many things it seems are falling apart in our society and in societies around the world. I, I just wanted to share this message with you today. I'm gonna to put it in chronological order with the rest of the messages that are to come in the next couple of weeks. But I think what James is gonna to say to us today is really important when it comes to being patient, establishing our hearts not grumbling and thinking about those that have come before us so that's the reason you're getting this extra message today we pray that it benefits you and that you're blessed by it and as always we encourage you to get in your Bible and to read your Bible and see what God has to say to you individually thank you so much we're gonna be in the book of James and we're gonna look today at verses 7 through 12 Uh, We're going to wrap up next week with uh, verses 13 and following about praying and faith. Uh, We're going to talk about some different things there. But what we're going to talk about today is really the mindset that we have to have. Um, You know, it's amazing in life. uh, Many times what we can handle in life depends on what our mindset is. If we go into something thinking something's going to be easy and it gets difficult, we get discouraged. And we want to quit. You see that a lot with, I I know with teaching school, you see that a lot with kids. They get excited about the process, you know, about doing certain things. Oh, I want to play the piano. I want to play the guitar. I want to learn a language. But then once you start doing it, you realize why there are only a few people that are able to do those kind of things. Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. But you know as well as anybody else that anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. And it's going to take effort. And it's going to take time. And you have to go into those things understanding that you're going to get easily discouraged. Now, if, if there's anything that we've seen in this particular passage, uh, this, this book of the Bible as we've gone through the last couple of weeks, is if you were just to look at this book, um, there's a lot of things to be encouraged about. There's a lot of things that are, that, that are to, to stir us to joy. But what you realize as you look at the book of James and you think about what the people in the book at this particular time are going through, they had to be in it for the long haul. Uh, this wasn't a message that was you could learn it one day and then just put it in your filing cabinet and then go back another day and learn something new. This was something that really would have to be gone back over again and again and again because the reality of suffering is that it tends not to go away very quickly. And when James is talking to them about suffering, when James is talking to them about perseverance, and he's talking to them about race, uh, being in a race and all the rest, he's wanting them to understand that this isn't just a one-time patch or a band-aid. This is a lifelong understanding, a lifelong living. And if we don't come to the Scriptures with that mindset, and if we don't come to Jesus with that mindset, then we're going to be easily discouraged and fall by the wayside. And so what James is doing as he's wrapping this book up is he's trying to help them understand that they have really got to have a mindset that this is going to be what it's going to be like probably for the long haul in this time here. And even though, to be honest with you, eternity is going to be amazing and eternity is going to be wonderful. The truth is like for me, I woke up at about four o'clock this morning or four 30 and I've been up since four 30. Couldn't sleep. Some of you woke up, your back hurt and all the rest. You wake up some days and the problems you left when you went to sleep are the problems that you wake up with the next morning. So even though we know this time is coming and that's to give us hope and to give us joy, the truth is we still have to wake up in the mornings while we're here and go through a lot of the same struggles. And so James here as we go through is going to say this. So let's just go and begin in verse 7 with that kind of at least hopefully mindset starting out. Here's what James says. Verse 7, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. Now, I like Google and stuff. I, I, it's funny. If you go on Google, you can find all sorts of stuff. But if you're like me and I don't have the dictionary anywhere where I can find one, at least a printed dictionary, you just go to Google and you'll type a word in. So I went to Google like any other person was. and I typed in patience. And I want to give you the, the definition that Google gave me. And, of course, if you find it on the Internet, it's true, right? That's what they say is true. Of course, that's a joke. But this was a, a very legitimate definition. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. And I don't know why that definition was worded in that way, but that definition really goes to the heart of what James is saying right here. We have to be patient in this time that we're here, Because guess what? We are in this middle time, this middle delay, where we're experiencing all sorts of troubles. We're experiencing all sorts of suffering. We're experiencing so many things, and it would be so easy to get angry, and it would be so easy to get discouraged. But what James is saying here is, my brothers, be patient for the coming of the Lord. We don't know the day or the hour, okay? But one day, He's going to come back. What is it that Paul said? Paul says, I, I, I want to be with the Lord. This is my paraphrase, okay? I want to be with the Lord. Like he said, I, I, I want to be with Jesus. He said, it would be better for you if I were to stay here in the body, okay? But I, there's a part of me that I'm ready to go ahead and, and get there. And I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not that old, but the older I get, I really see the, just the, the, the joy of knowing that this, this mess is going to end soon. Um, You know, it's it's funny, now that we've automated everything and we've given everybody tablets and everybody computers and we're trying to make things easier for everybody, really it seems like a lot of people lost a purpose in life. They've lost their drive in life, and they just kind of sit there, and I've caught myself doing this and just wondering, is this really all there is to life? Getting up in the morning and just kind of going through my daily routine and coming home at night and sitting in the recliner and watching a little TV, going to bed, putting my CPAP on, start over the next day the same way. Is that all there is to life? Well, in this particular time, these people were going through tribulation. They were going through trials. They were dispersed. They were sent out. And so they went through one day of pain and suffering and heartache. And they went to bed that night. And they woke up the next day. Another day of pain, suffering, and heartache. Oh, my goodness. It's just One day is the same as the day before, and it's like a a carbon copy. And if you're ever familiar with that movie Groundhog Day, where he relives the same day over and over again, he just keeps reliving it and reliving it and reliving it, and just doesn't seem like life gets better. What James is saying to them and what he is saying to us, be patient. God is going to come back and take care of this. And if He doesn't come back in the time that you're here in this world, be patient because when you close your eyes in this world and open them in the next, guess what? It's going to be worth the wait. You see, our problem is we want to rush things up and we want to hurry things up. And so what James is going to tell us in this next verse, he's going to kind of give us an example of the mindset that we are to have. Look there in verse 7 again. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. I've never seen, and this could, I, you may have done, I've never seen a farmer out in the field saying, grow corn, grow. I've never seen that. Now, I think I'd be worried that maybe he got some of his pesticides or some of those other things, herbicides and whatever sides are out there. But I've never seen them, come on now, grow. You know what a farmer does when they get up in the morning? They look out in the field. And you know what's going to be there? What's there? If it's got fruit on it, great. If it doesn't have fruit on it or not, corn. Now, I'm, I'm not going to talk about this lady to my left, but I want to share with you. She makes some good cream corn. But you know what's amazing about cream corn? You get it from corn and you can't rush corn. Corn is just going to be there. Or it's what? Not going to be there. You have an idea, right, of how long it's going to take. You have an idea of what the, the germination process and, and all. So you have an idea of what is going to happen. But at the end of the day, the only thing your farmer can do is basically do what he or she can do and wait to see how God brings about the results. It is basically a pot boiling activity, watching water begin to boil. I can't stand doing that. I love my pressure cookers; I don't worry about it. I throw noodles in there and sauce in there and meat in there. Turn that bad boy on. For Twenty minutes later, I got some good spaghetti. Okay. I, I, but, but if not, I have to sit there, wait for it to start boiling. I see that one little bubble at the bottom of the pot. I'm like, okay. And then, then, then the pot if the pot's uneven, then this side's boiling and this other side's not boiling. and You're like, you've got to be joking me. And then I'm a timer person. If I know how long it's going to take, I want it. So Jessica is kind of like, throw it all in the pot and see how it happens. And I'm like, we're going to get it to boiling. Then I'm going to throw it in there. Package says 11 minutes. I'm going to cook it for 11 minutes. She's throwing a noodle against the wall to see if it's ready. Seeing if it, it'll stick. Um, not anything wrong. She's not here, but something's wrong with her. I, we can share with that later. Now, uh, is that how you do it too? But she's throwing that noodle against the wall to see if that noodle's going to stick. But I'm sitting there looking. I'm waiting for that water to boil. And here's the thing is, if you're waiting... And you're watching, and you're not patient. It'll drive you crazy. It'll drive you crazy. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Okay, five minutes later. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. You're like, can't you just trust me that we're going to get there? Okay, yeah, I trust you. Are we there yet? Okay. You see, it drives you crazy. And what James is really saying here is this. Look how the farmer, what does the farmer do? He's waiting. He's waiting for a crop that he hopes is going to come to fruition. The difference with this is that we're waiting for a crop that God is going to bring to fruition. We're waiting for a day that God has promised and he's going to deliver on, okay? But that farmer, when he wakes up in the morning, that farmer, when she wakes up in the morning, and, and they're looking out at that field, there's a patience in knowing that it's all going to come in its time. It's, uh, it's going to grow when it grows. Sometimes you got rain, it's going to grow a little faster, right? Sometimes you get too much rain, it's going to destroy what's out there. But at the end of the day, a farmer has to essentially look out there and say, Lord, whatever you say is going to happen. Especially those farmers that don't have irrigation. You know, there's farmers that aren't pumping left and right. They'll tell you real quick, I'll get a crop if the Lord provides it. But at the end of the day, they'll drive themselves crazy if they sit there staring and wait for it to come up. It's going to come up. There's that mentality that we have to have. So he says, see how the farmer waits, that that patience, looking and waiting for that precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? And guess what happens after that? Then the crop comes, right? We see, the Bible says we will not know the day. In fact, the day Jesus comes, it'll be like he's coming in a thief in the night. But we'll be able to see signs that are leading up to that time. You hear people left and right, oh, this is this, and this is that, and this is leading up to this. Let me tell you something. Since Jesus has been here, we have been living in the end times. And he may come back tomorrow. He may come back a couple months from now. He may come back after we've all died and left this earth. But the Bible says he is going to come back, and we won't know the day or the hour. I think I've shared with you before. I'll share with you again if you haven't heard it. I've been listening to my sermons. I do a lot of that. I tell the same stories over and over again. I'm going to get better. Most of the stories I told you right at the beginning because I didn't think I was going to be here that long. So I'm having to reload with some same bullets, you know, some, some blanks here. But uh, my, my, my aunt, a really short lady, I think I shared that she really, really short lady. It's around Y2K. If you remember Y2K. And she, she, her house, when you walked in her house, her roof was right here. They didn't believe in going eight or nine foot roof. If you're only about five feet tall, you don't need a six foot roof. So you go in the house and you'd have to hunker down when you went in there. But Y2K, she believed wholeheartedly that Jesus was going to come back January 1st of that next year. And she just didn't believe it. she was ready. She had her nicest clothes in her closet. She was sitting in her chair, had her Bible in her hand, ready to go home. But you know what? Jesus didn't come back. That next day. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I believe she probably had a little bit of disappointment because she was ready to go. But you know what's happened since then and now? She's passed on. And guess who she's with today? She's with Jesus. She was waiting. She was looking at the signs. She was, looking, she was watching the leaves change colors. She was watching the, 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 the spring rains, okay? But it wasn't time just then. But she was waiting patiently for Jesus to come back. Look at this next. So, so thinking of the patience, look at the next one. He says, establish your hearts. Okay. So, so, so thinking about establishing your hearts, you're thinking of making a resolute decision that I'm going to trust God no matter what happens. That I, there's going to be a firm courage and commitment to establish, to say, this is what matters in Life. This is what matters in this daily walk that I have. To establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Well, he's been saying for 2,000 years he's going to come back. He had not come back yet. Well, you know what? I believe it. He said he's going to come back. I'm going to rest on that, that he's coming back. Well, my goodness, the church in the United States is shrinking. But you know, it's amazing. It's shrinking here. But it's blowing up in places like China. It's blowing up in places like Africa. The gospel is going out. People are being changed. You're looking through this little, little lens that you're looking through now. And what he's saying, here is you need to go ahead and establish your heart because there's going to be things that come along you're going to want to get discouraged. There are going to be things that are coming along you're going to want to second guess. And so what he's saying here is not just only be patient but go ahead and establish your heart that guess what? God is in control. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know this right now. You watch the news. It doesn't look like God's in control. You watch the news, it looks like this whole world is in chaos. And guess what? This whole world is in chaos. But guess what? That's the world. God's in control. If God wants to snap his finger today and end it all, God can snap his finger today and end it all. And we would say, Lord, we want you to come back. Why don't you snap your finger? But the Bible says he loves and he tarries so that more people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. So the longer that he tarries, although we want him to come, but the longer he waits, the more people come to faith in Christ. Which means the more people that are going to live eternally in heaven and the less people that are going to be in hell. So, so to, to understand that and say, Lord, I'm going to have patience, but also, I'm, God, I, I want to establish my heart. And I believe it's more than a mindset. I believe it is a spirit-given gift that happens as you walk with God and as you pray and trust on a daily basis. You can't just one day say, Lord, today, today I want to I be this person, but tomorrow I want to do what I want to do. No, establish your heart means just like we talked about the other week, drawing the line. This is my line in the sand. This is who I am in Christ. God, I don't know what's going to happen to me in this world, but my heart is yours. That's the kind of heart when a lady comes up to a man that's married and she says, hey. That's the kind of heart condition that makes them say, bye. Isn't that the truth? That's, oh, Yeah. My wife, my wife's got my heart, okay? You get what I'm saying? You smell what I'm stepping in, okay? Establishing your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, he also says something in the next verse, which I think is really important. He says, do not what? Grumble. How many of you ever been to an amusement park? Okay. Everybody's excited, right? woo getting to ride it. I'll never forget. We got to ride, I think it was... Uh, the King Kong ride at Universal Studios. Basically, I don't know why I got in line for that long to look at a big monkey, but that's what I decided to do. And it was so much fun. You get in there like, oh, this is cool. and You're looking at that door you're like, yeah, we're almost there. Then you get to that corner and then you see a whole other room and you're like, ah! And then you see the door like, oh, we're almost there. you know? Then about an hour passes and you're in the other room and you're like, I don't think we're ever gonna get there. And then by the fourth room, people are giving up, aren't they? And they're getting mad. you got people sitting on the ground with their kids. They're like, can you believe we've been sitting in this line for three hours? Then they want to give up. But then there's always that person who says, oh, I'm not giving up now. I'll stay here for three hours. I'm going the rest of the way. They'll be there for five days in that line just to see a robotic monkey. Okay? <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> it's, but, but that's our tendency. We get tired. What do we want to start doing? We want to start grumbling. I'm tell you something. You let people get hot. Oh, my goodness. They'll start. I can't believe we're out here in the heat. i never forget. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris Wallace and Donald Trump were doing an interview. And Donald Trump wanted to do the interview outside. Chris Wallace wanted to do the interview inside. And so they're out there. And I mean, Trump is sweating. And Chris Wallace is sweating. And they're both getting ill because it's hot. And um, And Trump says... My goodness, it's hot out here. And then Chris Wall says, well, I wanted to do the interview inside. You're the one who wanted to come out here. But the longer the other, the more aggravated they got. It's funny. That's, you know, most crimes happen during the summertime, in the summer months, right? It's that heat. It gets everybody elevated. It gets everything just going. And it just, it just brings out the worst in people. Pressure does the same thing. Pressure can bring about the worst in people. You know, it, it takes a lot To have everything pushing on you from every angle and to bring out a diamond. It happens, okay? It can happen. it's, It's hard to let all that irritation come about like in a clam and produce a pearl. But that's really the image that we see here in this scripture. To establish out your hearts and then when you do get to that point to where, because we're we're still going to get discouraged. I mean, that's the reality. We're still going to hit those moments where we're ready to give up. And we're still going to hit those moments where we're frustrated. Even the most godly people I know have their moments to where they look just like me. All right. But James is saying, don't grumble against one another so that you may be judged. Because guess what? the judge, Almighty God is standing at the door, but instead of that as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What happened to those prophets that spoke the, in the name of the Lord? They were martyred. They were killed. I, I, I'm trying to think of even one that really made it to was it James or James or John? I'm trying to think who brought, made it to old age? But they were martyred. Some of them were stoned to death. Some of them were starved. Some of them were hung. Some of them were crucified. <clears throat> Don't you think they would like to just have a just an aggravating toothache of a life as opposed to something like that? But if we look at their example of suffering and patience, we see their their, their, their humility, we see also their patience, and we see the fact that they established their hearts so that no matter what happened to them in this life, they were going to be there for God when He called. Joshua chapter 24 says this in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you dwell. But after me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. So when you establish your heart and when you look at the example, you draw that line and say, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what this world is going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. do to me. But I know in here that I'm going to be for the Lord. I know in here that I'm going to hold on to the goodness of God and the graciousness of Christ to forgive me for my sins. And look what it says as we close this morning in verse 11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And we talked about this guy last week. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though the world fall apart around me, yet I will praise you. James says, Brothers and sisters, (coughs) be patient. Brothers and sisters, establish your hearts. Brothers and sisters, you don't have a thing to grumble about. So stop grumbling. Brothers and sisters, look at those that have lived a faithful walk and see what they went through, but then also see what they received. The Bible says the gift of salvation is like a person who sold, who sold everything they had and bought a field because they knew there was treasure in that field to give it all up and to find Jesus. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he said, the guy said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And the guy started listening. to uh, Jesus started listing these things. And the guy said, oh, I've done all those. And then Jesus said, okay, sell everything you have and follow me. And what happened? The guy walked away sad. His heart was not established. Our heart has to be established. A call we see in James for resolute, firm courage and Commitment. Why does James say this as we close this morning? Because the tendency is to just get discouraged. The tendency is to just give up. I want to close with this. And I wrote this down the other day when I was looking at the scripture. And it's just basically as you're waiting for a harvest, just remember, harvests have seasons. There are seasons when things are happening in your life. There are seasons when things are changing. There are seasons when things are not that great. But there are seasons in the harvest. There are seasons in our life. And I just want to say that here's what we need to do. Keep waiting. Keep planting. Keep pruning. Keep growing. And eventually, God's going to come back and He's going to reap the harvest. I love the analogy, and I have it written down, and I did not pull the scripture that goes along with it, but I preached it many, many times, where Jesus says, Abide in me. And as you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And he talks about the image of the vine and the branches. And he says, If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will produce much what? Fruit. What we need to do right now is abide. Now, I have, I, I have shared this story other places. I don't think I've shared the whole extent of it here. But when I lived in Meg's, outside of my window was a banana tree. You know, you remember what I'm talking about. Have, if you've ever had a banana tree, I don't, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the author of creation. But there's a part of me that wonders if he said, devil, you make the banana tree. Okay. not for, It's generally good if it's in the right climate, but just this one particular tree. But, um, but the thing about this banana tree, you know, you can't kill those jokers. Have you ever tried killing a banana tree? You cut it down. You got a ton of water shoots out. Of, so, first off, messes your clothes up. gets you all wet when you try to cut it down because water shoots out of thing. <laughs> but in our climate, it doesn't produce bananas the way it's supposed to, at least not in my yard. And so, when I cut it down, I was all excited. And then that bad boy sprung up another root right beside it. And then I had to deal with two of them. Okay? So, then I went through and I chopped those two down. And then, well, guess what else I had? Then I had three of them before I left that house and I had only been at the house about three years I'm talking about a root system that started here turning to almost like a bad case of the gout that was about this big it's humongous and no matter how many times I cut that bad boy it kept growing back it was the most aggravating thing I'd ever seen no matter what I did it just kept growing well I want to tell you something I really believe God wants us to be like that banana tree the world is going to come and it's going to slice you down. But if you're planted, you're going to spring right back up. The world is going to come and it's going to try to dig you up by the roots. It's going to tear you apart. It's going to be painful. But guess what? Those roots will grow someplace else when you plant them someplace else. And that aggravated tree, if nothing else to me, has given me a great example of what it means to live the Christian life. Is that no matter how many times I've tried to put that tree down, it keeps springing back up. And if you're patient and if you're settled in God's word and if you are trusting him and you have settled in your heart, if you have have gotten to the part where you're established, then no matter what happens, you're going to be like that aggravated banana tree. You're going to pop right back up. And you know what's going to cause you to pop right back up? The spirit of God living inside of you. So James says as we close, be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Look at the fruit of the field. Think about the farmer waiting. Be patient until it receives the early and late rains. You be patient. Establish your hearts. Because guess what? The coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example, verse 10, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose. I love that word. Purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. So he can show you how much better it can be at the end. May God bless the reading and the teaching of his word. Let us pray together as we close. God, we thank you again this day for the benefits that you have given us. in knowing you, that you have caused... A message that started across the world to make its way to this area. And from this area, it's spread out so that we in this place are today hearing about you, hearing about your sacrifice, hearing about the salvation that comes in Christ alone. And God, we pray as we see this world falling apart around us, we pray that even though this world has shallow roots, that our roots would run deep. That God, just like that banana tree, when the world whacks at us and hacks at us and tries to dig us up, we may be down for a day. We may be down for a season. But God, as we walk with you and as we trust with you, trust in you, God, you're going to spring us back to life. So God, I pray that we would be encouraged. God, that we would have staying power. God, that we would be able to, to persevere through troubling times. God, that we would be patient. That we would have our hearts settled in you. So God, we pray that today and we ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.